Tom Cruise is back at the top of the box office with their blockbuster hit, Top Gun Maverick. So a lot of different things are trending online regarding Tom Cruise, Top Gun, and of course, Scientology. With a lot of people asking, wait a second, am I putting my money towards helping and supporting the Church of Scientology? So to discuss the Church of Scientology... Tom Cruise, Aleister Crowley, Satanism, and really everything else that's going on is none other than the president and founder of Good Fight Ministries and pastor of Blessed Hope Chapel in Simi Valley, California, Pastor Joe Schimmel. Chad, are you insinuating that we might know something about a connection between Tom Cruise and Scientology and Aleister Crowley and Satanism, bro? I, I'm not insinuating yeah. it. I'm we, saying we've it. We've been exposing this for years, <laughs> man. It's just no marvel that, excuse the pun, but uh, based on what we've been working on lately, that uh, scriptures say it's no marvel that Satan's, you know, servants transform themselves into ministers of righteousness uh, because Satan himself transforms himself into angel of light. And Scientology, you look at their building, they have a cross on the top, yet they're very, very, L. Ron Hubbard was very anti-Christ, as we'll see. Uh, but there's also a big uh, play with Scientology in regard to what the book of Revelation says and the future. And again, it's kind of like what we have been exposing through, you know, popular music, through a lot of movies in Hollywood, and now through Marvel in D.C., a, a Gnostic inversion where everything is turned inside out, and Christ becomes the true Jesus Christ of Scripture, the historical Jesus, the Son of God, God in the flesh, becomes the evil one, and Satan becomes the Savior. It's going to blow you guys away. No, and, and I'm excited for you guys to see this episode because I guess coming against Scientology has become more and more popular, but yet... Still, when it comes to Scientology, their death grip on so much of Hollywood, I mean, really, some of the scare tactics that have been used over the years and some of the people involved with Scientology, it is really, really interesting, especially when you can see over and over again, you guys are going to be seeing a clip from They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll, and you might think, what does that have to do with Hollywood? What does that have to do with Lester Crowley? Because that's a video exposing rock and roll music. But the truth is, is it's a video exposing an agenda behind the prince of the power of the air who is working through these sons of disobedience. And when it comes to Scientology, that's exactly what has been happening for a number of years. And I think, Joe, this is, I guess this is probably a breaking point for me when I was a non-believer watching They Sold Their Social Rock and Roll, seeing, you know, clips about Scientology and ultimately, as you mentioned, Aleister Crowley already, seeing those connections and really realizing it isn't just music, it isn't just movies, there's a culture behind this, and it's all pushing everyone towards the same agenda. That's right. And so when I see that even the mainstream, and a lot of this has to do with Leah Ramini, the actress from King of Queens and so forth, coming out of Scientology and exposing them for some of their cult-like tactics, it's not even cult-like, they are a cult, yeah. so it, it, people with movies like Going Clear, with interviews, are saying, what's up? But I think before Leah came out, really the breakup of Tom Cruise and Katie Holmes kind of started people asking questions because Katie Holmes all of a sudden in the middle of the night snuck their daughter, Suri, away from him and then filed for divorce and had some sort of stranglehold on him that he allowed. And according to InStyle Magazine, as of 2016, it had been over a thousand days before he had, or yeah, since he had again. talked to his daughter. And I, it's like, what kind of stranglehold did she have? What kind of information did she have holding over his head that he has come to a place where not even seeing his daughter? Yeah. I mean, that's that's totally fine. And in fact, when asking 
specifically, like why did Katie leave him? They tried to keep it quiet. These It was very famous, some of their confidentiality agreements that the Church of Scientology has had women and men sign, but they tried to keep it quiet, but it came out in a deposition. This is from InStyle Magazine. It says, Tom and Katie have rarely spoken on the record in regard to their split, but it's rumored that Holmes's motivation was to free her daughter from the unique constraints of Scientology. Cruz admitted as much in his deposition against Bauer Media. When asked if Holmes left him, quote, in part to protect Surrey from Scientology, end quote, Cruz was insulted and said, quote, there is no need to protect my daughter from my religion, end quote. But when prodded again, specifically as to whether Katie had mentioned that she was leaving in an effort to protect Surrey from Scientology, Cruz responded, quote, did she say that? That was one of the assertions. Yeah, one of the assertions. Yes. And so Tom Cruise knew that Katie Holmes, who broke up with him, was specifically sneaking their daughter away from him, getting their daughter away from him because she was concerned about this cult that, according to all reports, it looks like he's one of the top three leaders in. So this is important. And in fact, we have a clip right here we want to show you. And this is from Leah Ramini, the actress we mentioned earlier, regarding that split up and actually her relationship with Katie Holmes and a lot of the culture talked about or that she talks about here on the Adam Carolla show regarding the Church of Scientology. She just got sucked into this world and probably freaked out. You know, at a, at a time, entire thing. listen, at a time... Katie was, I was like, Katie is on my radar. Like, I was like, the, she wrote a report on me, an internal report on me. I got a stack of, of reports like this. Like, he, everybody at the wedding wrote a report on me. That wow. I destroyed the wedding, that I was a bad example of Scientology, that I was running around being dry. Like, it just carried, like, I had so many reports. So when I got back from the wedding, I got sent to Florida, to the Mecca, to the hub, where this is where I was being interrogated at first, and then sent back to, to L.A. for, like, kind of reprogramming. Um, so, it, yes, she, I was, I was after her because she was attacking me and I was like okay I don't care who you are you're you're new to this organization I got some years on you kid since and, you were nine uh, right it, yeah so I'm like I'm we're not gonna okay I get that you're married to Tom but it, in my eyes I'm a better Scientologist than Tom so we're not we're, like I don't give a crap about that so um and we're all we all are supposed to be equal right mm. so um I wasn't seeing that to be true um but then I had no it, it's so funny because I turned so fast as soon as she did what she did and left the way she did. I was like, oh, I had no idea. I had no idea the pressure she was under. I had no idea that she was aware of what was really going on. I had no idea that she was trying to save her daughter. And so I went from like, oh, we're not in that camp too. I will support her 100%. Now, Have we spoken? haven't spoken to each other, and I'm going to tell you about that. When you uh, leave, you can leave quietly, but if you speak out or make any kind of statement against a senior Scientologist, which, which Tom is a senior Scientologist, he's single-handedly saving the planet. Um, that is a truth. I'm not trying to be funny. Um, that is what we're told. That is what right. we're told. Um, so if you say anything about him or do something like what Katie did, which was take her daughter and save her daughter's life, um, she's considered an enemy by right. that action because it says something about Tom. 
So um, she very often, I don't know that this is true because we haven't spoken, very often they have to make a deal that you're not allowed to speak to any ex-Scientologist. And I would have taken that deal too if my child's life was, mm. was, was at stake. And I believe that's what happened. I don't know that that's what happened, but I, don't, I haven't reached out to her out of respect because I believe that is the deal. So, Joe, you're hearing those words. I mean, obviously, this is cult-like behavior. He's the savior of the world, you know. And when you hear some of his rantings that even came out on the last film, you know, and so forth during COVID of him yelling and, and cussing and screaming people out, you can see that God complex coming out. They've seen that from actors like Christian Bale and Russell Crowe and some of these guys. But when you hear some of that terminology, some of the stuff that she's talking about, from being inside of that church, Church of Scientology, I hate even using that term. I mean it, I guess, the same way the pagans would have used ecclesia, uh, in, even in the book of Acts, it talks about that. But but when I see that and when I, I hear those words, I mean, that's some scary stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And when you start to realize, which uh, unless you've seen some of our stuff or have done your research on this, and a lot of people will check out the e-meter, they'll check out the problems of Scientology, mind control, uh, threats of the past, all these things, and they'll, well, it's a horrific cult, and it is, uh, but it gets way worse than that because when you start to realize uh, what Tom Cruise and others, many of the stuff that they, many of the things they've been taught uh, by Scientology, and uh, I mean, it's crazy because you're actually taught that you have entities within you, that you're possessed by various entities, and through the e-meter, you're able to get clear of these, these possessions. That's why I think some of these Hollywood types deal with demonic possession. So I think why the e-meter, whether it's Tom Cruise or, uh, you know, John Travolta. John, John Travolta and many others, they're dealing with demonic entities. They've got acting abilities at times that by these demonic spirits and they get thrusted on. And all of a sudden this makes sense. Well, I've got these entities in me and they gravitate towards Scientology. I don't know that that's both their experiences or either of their, ex their experiences to what draw, drew them to it. We don't know that for sure, but it's just kind of interesting when you think about it. And then when you get trapped in the cult where they think they, they promise salvation, you begin to be taught that you are could be you know operative state and you can become like a god, uh, clear first you're clear and then you you know you can become this OT and Jesus by the way Elron Hubbard said never even made clear you know and we're gonna see pretty soon what he thought about Jesus Christ he blasphemed Christ and he exalted uh, the coming Antichrist and we're gonna see that in a little bit and this is what's taught the highest the highest ranks of of uh, which we'll get into how we can know that and what's taught taught evidently. Uh, from the testimony that I've received from an ex-member that was able to get some, uh, that got some documents out, uh, that they actually are being, they're, it, it's going to sound crazy, but we're going to deliver the goods. Uh, L. Ron Hubbard was a Satanist, okay? And we're going we're gonna to actually get into that and prove that to you guys. And we're going to go further and say, look, man, they're actually programming their followers to be leaders and to prepare the world for the Antichrist. Man, I, I'm so glad that we're doing this because so many people, Joe, I remember when, when this was all coming out and Leah Ramini was coming out with her interviews and documentaries were coming out and so forth that I was stunned that they actually talked about some of the Satanism, which maybe you're like, wait, what are you talking about? They mentioned yeah. the different groups. They mentioned Jack Parsons and things that we're going to get into right now. And Joe, I love that because this is coming out and coming to the fold where people are like, wait a second, what's going on here? Not realizing this is from They Sold Their Souls to Rock and Roll, Joe, that you're exposing right here. And the clip that we're going to play years and years is, ago is this this is what we're saying, guys. Buckle up because this is where we're really gonna get into the nitty-gritty of all of this. And 
It sounds crazy enough when you're talking about planning out spouses, right? It sounds, it sounds crazy enough when you're talking about having women audition to be Tom Cruise's next wife after him and Nicole Kidman broke up. It sounds crazy when you're talking about cameras outside people's houses that are leaving the Church of Scientology. That sounds crazy enough. But then when you see what spirit is really behind it, then I really think this is going to open up some people's eyes. So check out this clip. This is from the Solder Souls for Rock and Roll, the 10-hour version. I don't believe this is on the three-hour version, no, Joe. No. And you got to check this out because this is an incredible clip because what we're trying to say is, hey, this isn't anything new. This is the very history, the very edifice, the very foundation of the Church of Scientology. But is it possible that what they are defending is yet another Aleister Crowleyan satanic cult? Do you ever think that you might be quite mad? Oh, yes. Scientology has at time come under the scrutiny of the secular news media, but the stark truth has not yet been told. That Scientology is in a way another fruit of the teachings of Satanist Aleister Crowley is barely known. Few people realize that Scientology's founder, L. Ron Hubbard, was yet another disciple of Aleister Crowley's who referred to Crowley as his good friend. I am a magician. I am a magic cults of the 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th centuries in the Middle East. Were fascinating. The only modern work that has anything to do is track a wild in spots, but it's fascinating work in itself, and that's work written by Alistair Crowley, the late Alistair Crowley, my very good friend. And uh, he, he did himself a splendid uh, piece of aesthetics built around those magic cults. Uh, it's a very interesting uh, reading to get a hold of a copy of a book, quite rare, but it can be obtained. The Master Thurium, T-H-E-R-I-O-N, The Master Thurium by Alistair Crowley. He signs himself the beast. Mark of the Beast, 666. Hubbard stated that Scientology's basic idea paralleled Crowley's doctrine of do what thou wilt. He stated, our whole activity tends to make an individual completely independent of any limitations. Aleister Crowley had some interesting things to say about this. He wrote the Book of the Law. L. Ron Hubbard's oldest son, L. Ron Hubbard Jr., who witnessed his father's discipleship under Crowley, admitted his father was a Satanist and a follower of Crowley. Well, the funny thing is, is that the actual truth is, is about as far out as, uh, as Scientology itself. Uh, Really, the basis of Scientology, which is rather hidden and covered over, is uh, the occult, uh, the uh, uh, deep involvement with uh, satanic uh, powers that he felt that uh, he was deeply involved with uh, uh, a British uh, black magician called Alistair Crowley, uh, and through putting himself in deep hypnotic trances and the use of drugs on himself, he wanted to become the most powerful being in the world. Elrond Jr. stated that, like Leary, Elrond Sr. felt that he was helping to complete Crowley's mission. Elrond Hubbard Jr. stated that his father considered himself to be the one who, quote, came after, and that he was Crowley's successor and had taken on the mantle of the great beast. Scientology actually began on December 1, 1947. This was the day Aleister Crowley died. It appears that Hubbard believed that Scientology would be instrumental in building Antichrist's kingdom and seeking to destroy Christ at his coming. 
In a document alleged by many former Scientologists to be written to OT8s, the highest level of Scientology, Hubbard declared, quote, My mission could be said to fulfill the biblical promise represented by the brief Antichrist period. During this period, there is a fleeting opportunity for the whole scenario to be effectively derailed which would make it impossible for the mass Maccabean landing or second coming to take place. The second coming is designed, among other things, to trigger a rapid series of destructive events. L. Ron Hubbard was close to Jack Parsons, who was a rocket scientist and co-founder of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Parsons and Hubbard worked together to produce a moon child through Crowley's sex magic, which they hoped to be the Antichrist. Before Parsons was killed in an explosion in his laboratory, he wrote a book called The Book of the Antichrist. In this book, he called for the destruction of, quote, the Black Brotherhood called Christianity. And he stated that the Antichrist would bring all men to the law of the beast, 666, and in his law I shall conquer the world. Aleister Crowley was a deceiver who lied to his followers by promising them freedom and all the while bringing them into satanic slavery. While Crowley claimed that his followers would be free through the practice of do what thou wilt, they were actually brought into satanic bondage, the worst kind of slavery and non-freedom in existence. Notice how Crowley's doctrine of Thelema, or will, was really a subtle way of enslaving his followers to Satan. Crowley taught, quote, they must accept the book of the law as the word and the letter of truth and the sole rule of life. They must acknowledge the authority of the beast, 666, and of the scarlet woman as in the book it is defined. He said they must accept their will as constituting the will of the whole order. Whatever happened to do what thou wilt, right? He stated they must accept the crown and conquering child as the lord of the eon and exert themselves to establish his reign upon the earth. In the end, Aleister Crowley was totally deceived. He died hopelessly addicted to heroin and enslaved to Satan. Witnesses declared that his last words before his death were, quote, I am perplexed and, quote, sometimes I hate myself. Crowley himself had been totally deceived by Satan as he was led to believe that he himself would be the Antichrist. And now he was on the verge of death not having realized his twisted dream. He was said to be very depressed before his death and extraordinarily fearful. Crowley knew that it was time for him to face his creator whom he had so mocked, and he knew that the scripture stated it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God, and that our God is a consuming fire. Crowley was heard pacing before his death until he finally collapsed and met his horrible end in hell. Sadly, he is taking millions of people to hell with him as the father of modern culture and as the patron devil of rock and roll. Now, Joe, I, I, wanna, I have to tell a small story before getting into some of that because we do a lot of evangelism down on Third Street Promenade in Santa Monica. And I've come in contact with, you know, Scientologists a number of times down there. A lot of times they will not tell you they're Scientologists. They'll even have expensive stuff just coming against shock therapy and stuff that everyone would be against anyways, you know, literally shocking people and, and so forth. And then all of a sudden, then you start to see, you know, they want to te give you tests. But one specific time, I remember I was sharing the gospel and we, we had brought the youth group out there. And one of our, one of the young guys was getting into a conversation with someone and over and over again, it was just almost impossible to get anywhere in the conversation to a point where I said, am I throwing my pearls here? Because we're asking questions and I asked something along the lines of, I said, hey, listen to me, are you telling me? that I'm wrong. And he said, no, no. I was like, so what I'm saying is the truth. He said, yes. I said, well, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the light. No man's come to the Father, but through me. And I said, so do you believe that's true? He said, yes. I said, so if you don't come through Jesus, you're not making it. You're going to spend eternity in hell. 
is that true? He said, no, that's not true. But what you're saying is true. And I, and I, it was just all over the place. And then eventually I said, well, what do you, you know, where, where are you from? What, is there a certain religion you hold to? Where do you get these philosophies from? And he said, yes, I'm part of the church of Scientology. Mm-hmm. And so I then finally got him to, uh, have some, I guess, change his tune a little bit. So I said, oh, that's so interesting because I was told that L. Ron Hubbard was actually a very good friend. In fact, L. Ron Hubbard is the one who said that Aleister Crowley, the Satanist, the father of modern-day Satanism, was his very good friend. And he said, I have to go. And he walked away mm-hmm. right at that point. And I said, that's really interesting because I don't know about you, Joe, but I don't want to be friends with guys who have drawings all over their house of the pedophilia that they did with young children. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, so true. Uh, the Satanism in Scientology goes back to L. Ron Hubbard, of course, the founder, you know, who has the audacity to put a cross at the top of their building, Angel of Light, right? And Satan tries to mix some truth. They don't know anything about Jesus, they don't know anything about the cross, but they do that to draw people in, to say, hey, look, this is a church of Scientology. Uh, so it's, it's interesting because... Uh, very interesting experiences when my wife and I interviewed Susan Atkins. Susan Atkins was, uh, you know, she was convicted of the most of the Manson murders. I believe, I think it was nine of the murders, eight or nine of the murders she was convicted of more than any other, more than Tex Watson, anybody else. And, uh, and we visited her after she claimed to have come to Christ, uh, in prison. And she, I mean, she was the longest one awaiting, uh, I won't get on the minutia, but when we visit her, she claimed to be following Christ, and her testimony was heartbreaking, you know, and uh, as far as what she went through. And, and she said that she scrubbed herself with, you know, soap in the shower so hard that she was bleeding when she first got in, in, in prison, not realizing that. And she said that she felt God had spoken to her and said, that blood, that, that soap will never be able to uh, take away your sins. Only the blood of my son will. And she claims that that's when she, you know, basically fell before the Lord and asked him for, for forgiveness and so forth. And we had, in our series of interviews, my wife and I did with her uh, visiting the prison. She agreed for us to interview her. Uh, she was very candid about a lot of things, and she talked about Satanism in our in our uh, article, which some of you might want to check out, called "The Truth Behind Satanic Cults." She talks about how you know uh, Anton Lavey would feign that he wasn't really a Satanist and to the public, but that was to draw more people in. And we found that basically from his own words, right, along with other, a lot of other cult leaders that say, well, it's not really satanic or we don't really believe in the devil when they do. So we were having this talk and uh, it was interesting because she started talking about Scientology and a weird thing that happened to her with a Scientologist when she tried to escape Charles Manson, who's one of the biggest, most deadly cult leaders ever in our country, right? And uh, by the way, he was into Scientology before he started his cult. In prison, he got heavily into Scientology. It uh, just so happens that, uh, skip ahead, now that all these murders have happened, they claimed over 35 and what have you, the, the family that they actually killed, not everybody was found, they said, but we, they killed a lot of people, they said. Uh, it's kind of interesting because he had mentioned that me, and he mentioned the leader of the process, a, a satanic cult that taught that Christ and Satan had reconciled and become one, and that uh, Christ or that Satan was basically the executor of this new satanic cult that would spread throughout the earth and would bring death, but they, it's actually a good thing because it's Christ and Satan is one. And uh, Manson said, you know, with a cross, I mean, sometimes he'd carve an upside-down cross in their head, sometimes a forward cross. 
he said that he and the founder of that movement are one. And it just so happened that the founder of that movement and his wife were formerly Scientologists, and they started this group. So there's all these weird connections. By the way, just to let you know, she was part of the Church of Satan for some time, and she literally is seen, we show it, and they sold their souls for rock and roll, coming out of a casket in one of their satanic rituals when I think she was only like 18 or 19 years old. Uh, and then she joined Charles Manson. She ends up going from Frisco, and Anton LaVey, the author of the Satanic Bible, right, the founder of the Church of Satan, to the laps of Charles Manson, a former, uh, well, one who was very interested in Scientology. And she says when she realized that, wow, what am I doing here? This is, you know, satanic. This is evil. She said she took off and she left Spawn Ranch, and that's when they were at Spawn Ranch. They were not far from where I used to live in Box Canyon, you know, uh, where they were meeting, and they were meeting at Spawn Ranch for a while. And she took off and escaped. And she said that after she'd escaped, uh, she took her a child with her, a baby, and she thought, I want something better for my baby. What's going on here? And she was hitchhiking. And all of a sudden, a car pulls over, picks her up, drives her back to Spawn Ranch in Charles Manson. She's like, what are you doing? And he started talking about how he's a Scientologist. He started explaining Scientology. And that'd be good for her to go back to Charlie. Really, really bizarre stories. I'm like, listen to this. I'm like, how deep does this stuff go, you know? And it's interesting because uh, when you look at it, it gets really crazy because it's kind of interesting with what's going on with Doctor Strange, the, move, the new movie, and we're showing in our upcoming expose that Doctor Strange is basically uh, Aleister Crowley, made in the image of Satanist Aleister Crowley, basically the same origin story, and a writer writes, you know, one of the writers, belong, one of the main writers of his story uh, is a member of Crowley's OTO and brings them the magic in and so forth, and they made it very Crowleyan, you know, which people see when they watch that video but it's interesting that his counterpart is is the scarlet witch right or i should say the scarlet woman maybe right because crowley has what he called the scarlet woman the scarlet witch in the new strange movie practices chaos magic you look at chaos magic in wikipedia just type in chaos magic just even go to wikipedia you'll see it was originated in part by lester crowley and it's just the crazy thing is is the first incarnation as we show in this video of dr strange is none other than dr Droom. I always try to point out, not Dr. Doom without an R, but Dr. Droom as in broom, but with a D, D-R-O-O-M. And you can look it up right now. You don't have to wait for a video to come out. You'll see Dr. Droom, ball-headed dude. Look at Aleister Crowley and his famous ball-headed pictures. Same dude, right? But then they wanted to bring him back, and they brought him back in the form of Dr. Drew. gave him a little bit of hair on the sides. They want to bring him back again, and they brought him back in the form of Dr. Strange. Same origin story, right, in the, in the Marvel comics. Uh, what's crazy about all this is... People tripped out. I go, look at who does he look at? I was showing this to Tony, and he's like the spitting image of Jack Parsons, who was the top Crowleyan, most probably notorious Crowleyan Satanist in America, because Jack Parsons is a creator on the dark side of the moon named after him. Jack Parsons is uh, the founder of modern rocketry. He's the one, when you see the capsule, you see the, the fuel, uh, the liquid fuel that he designed in the different compartments and so forth, that came from him. He was a genius, a demonic genius, by the way. And uh, he was channeling a lot of stuff. And it's interesting with Jack Parsons, he was installed by Satanist Alessa Crowley as the head of the Ordo Templi Orientis OTO in Pasadena, California, about 45 minutes from us. And he put him as the head of that group. By the way, this guy is the co-founder, Jack Parsons, of the Jet Propulsion Laboratory of NASA. Okay? This is crazy stuff, right? Uh, so anyway, Jack Parsons is working with L. Ron Hubbard. 
before Elmer and Hubbard starts Scientology, and they're trying to bring forth a moon child. First, they're doing magical incantations to get hold of a scarlet woman and uh, have her materialize. And he meets a woman named Cameron, who will later marry. I'm talking about Jack Parsons now. And uh, then they start doing magical incantations, sex magic, to bring forth an ethereal spirit being, a demon really, to, to come into her body and bring forth, which some of them would hope would be the Antichrist. What's well, very interesting, when I'm going to read a little bit more of what Elwin Hubbard said in a little bit, when we get into that, we're going to see that he hoped to be the Antichrist. It's crazy. Uh, Jack Parsons wrote a book. You can read it online called The Book of the Antichrist by, uh, by Jack Parsons. So it's really, really interesting when you see how this ties together. Uh, and we see with their own words what they're saying about this coming, uh, you know, Bacarbic landing to defeat Christ and install the kingdom of Antichrist. No, it's very interesting because if you didn't know, CBS actually tried to put out a show. It didn't do very well, but yeah, called Strange serious. Angel regarding yeah. Jack Parsons right. specifically. And you think about— By the way, Strange Angel. Yeah. You know what his name is? It's just kind of weird. I'm not saying there's anything to this, but his name, uh, it's not what he's called. But if you go to Wikipedia and see Jack Parsons, you'll see his name was Marvel. Weird stuff. <laughs> it is very really strange, strange stuff. And when you look at just some of the connections, and I'll give you some— as well, just thinking back on it, you think about Aleister Crowley, Anton LaVey, and you think of some connective tissue there. How about Marilyn Manson? Marilyn Manson, guess what? In his book, he literally quotes Aleister Crowley, do what thou wilt, his maxim. Yeah. Yeah. He's also pictured right next to who? Anton LaVey. And, oh, who did he name himself after? His name's not Marilyn Manson. He's named after Marilyn Monroe and Charles Manson. Charles Manson. He literally wrote a letter to Marilyn Manson. The weirdest thing that yeah. I don't know if anyone can even make sense of what he's saying, but he mentioned specifically the ATWA, his own nonsense. Yeah. Which, by the way, somebody else had a song where they talk about the ATWA. That was System of a Down. Yeah. It's just wild. Trying to make an environmental cult, you're right? Trying to <laughs> environmentalists, but really pushing Satanism. They use all kinds of. You know, you know what? That makes the exact point. Whether it's music, whether it's movies, whether it's a cult, whether it's in the name of worshiping the trees or whatever it may be. Um, I think Romans 1 is specific to us when we understand very clearly that if you're not worshiping the one true God, you'll worship anything that he has created. That's right. And so I think that is a perfect example of that. And Joe, w the reason why we want to do this is to see, as you just mentioned, all of that. I mean, you're name dropping some pretty big things, right? We're talking about Tom Cruise. You know, he's got the biggest movie out right now, maybe the biggest movie of the summer, and it's just the start of it, right? That's right. This movie has blown up. I have not seen a negative review on it outside of them maybe, uh, maybe some homosexual erotic scenes of playing football, very similar to the volleyball scene in the first one. But outside of that, I have not seen very many things said bad about the movie. Then we're talking about Jack Parsons. We're talking about Marvel. We're talking about, as we mentioned, the Church of Scientology. There just seems to be so many things interconnected that without it being something that, as the scriptures say in Ephesians 6, 12, that we wrestle not simply against flesh and blood. It isn't just Tom Cruise and Jack Parsons and Aleister Crowley and people that are angry with God. There is connective tissue of people those children of disobedience under the prince of the power of the air that are pushing this antichrist agenda. Absolutely. And I think what you're about to share as well, and I know you touched on it a little bit in the clip that we played, but we're going to get more in depth in that. 
because you went and saw an ex-Scientologist speak, a guy by the name of Sean Keith who had come out of Scientology, and he gave you a document that we may be saying, you know what, these guys are antichrist, they're pushing stuff, but he gave you a document that is specifically from the Church of Scientology, and you have it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and we're going to see just how antichrist they are. Yeah, absolutely, Chad. Uh, it's interesting, when I saw his speech, part of, you know, part of I was like, man, you know, he's speaking and he's talking about the E-meter and talking about how they brainwash people and how he was brainwashed and giving his testimony. And it was, he did a great job, but I was like, man, show these people how this is satanic at its core. Show them what it's about. Uh, and I'd gotten the uh, book, uh, it was from the library. Actually, a friend of ours said, hey, Joe, you got to check this book out. And it, had a, it was by L. Ron Hubbard Jr., his son, who died not long after he wrote it. I don't know uh, the circumstances he died. It could have been totally, you know, natural. I don't know. But uh, he wrote a book, uh, and in that book he wrote, one of his chapters was called L. Ron Hubbard and the Beast. And that was about how his dad basically took the do what thou wilt philosophy and brought it into Scientology. Uh, really, there's no right and wrong and, and so forth. And that Scientology was just basically another one of the Crowley and spinoffs and so forth. And, and, uh, and he talked about how Crowley would or he'd listen to Crowley's messages on, on cassette tape and so forth. I thought, man, and so I, I'm listening to him give his spiel, not knowing this document even existed. And during question ask time, I said, hey, Sean, could you talk about, uh, do you know any of the connections between uh, L. Ron Hubbard and Satanist Sylvester Crowley? And because I was kind of surprised he didn't get into what I think is basically, you want to let people know what this was about. And he didn't answer me straight up. He just he said, you know what? Come to me and ask me about that after after this is over. I got something interesting for you. Okay. Went up to him afterwards. He said, Hey, there's definitely a connection. He goes, I'm gonna I'll mail you, uh, uh, I'll mail you a copy, uh, which I have. I'll mail you a copy that Elron Hubbard had written to OT8s. So they have different OT levels, right? And OT8 was the highest level, like kind of like a uh, you know, there's higher degree 33 Mason. degree Mason. There's no Crowley claim to be what an 87th degree Mason or what have you. But uh, this was the highest level of, of Scientology. And it was only to them exclusively. And as he was leaving Scientology, a friend of his, he said, I've got a friend in there that's a clerk. And when he knew I was leaving and I, that I was turning to Christ, he said, hey, you might be interested in this. And since he's a clerk, he dealt with paperwork and he gave it to him. And he was an OT, I think he was an OT3, uh, Keith, Sean Keith. But the guy that gave it to him, the clerk, he said, this is written to OT8, something he couldn't know about. And he said, it blew me away. I'll send it to you. And that's the document we have right here. And this is interesting because one of the things we've exposed, if you go back and look at some of our shows a few years back, you'll see that we did a few shows on uh, the truth behind secret societies, some of the, our podcasts. And I kept finding out when I was researching the secret societies, ultimately they come down to their secret is that we find out that we are God. Over and over again, you start seeing that. It's like, well, that's the lie from Eden, you know? And we pretty much know that that's not really a, a secret with you guys, but they unveil this as a great secret. And a lot of these secret societies, as Elwood Hubbard admits in here, uh, you know, they've lost their way, he says, but they were knowing what we're knowing. And ultimately, it's about fighting against Christ as a sec- at a second coming. I think it's interesting because it says in Revelation chapter 16, verses 14 through 16, that uh, speaks of these demonic entities that come are issued forth from the mouth like frogs. They come forth out of the mouth of Satan and the beast and the false prophet. They go forth to the kings of the earth to bring them together to fight against God at the Battle of Armageddon. 
And then Jesus says in a parenthetical statement there, behold, I come like a thief, you know, blessed is he that, that keeps his garments so he doesn't walk naked and men don't see uh, their, uh, their shame. And then in Revelation chapter 17, it talks about the 10 nations that give their power to the beast. It says that these 10 nations, the beast, it says they will fight against the lamb. They're going to fight against Christ at his second coming. So there's something really important to know here. A lot of the world is just going to be deluded, right? Who can make war with the Antichrist? And, and the world will get together at Armageddon. And a lot of those folks won't really know exactly what's going on. But many leaders know that they're fighting against Christ at the second coming. And we read about that is way back in the book of Daniel. We read about it in the book of uh, in Psalm chapter 2. You know, the nations of the world gathering together, saying, let's break the, his bonds and basically fight against the Lord and his anointed, his son, right? So it's really amazing when you think about this. And the book of Revelation shows that the leaders of the world leaders at that time galvanized under Antichrist to try to defeat Christ. They've got the mark of the beast and everything. And it says, you know, it's kind of interesting what it says, but keeping that in mind, a lot of these leaders already of these cults know what they're doing. They're basically programming, indoctrinating, brainwashing their followers to think that fighting against Christ is really not fighting against Jesus. Don't worry. It's not like the God who made you because it's a deception. You're fighting against an alien race that wants to enslave humanity. And uh, what's happening is Jesus Christ is, it's not really Jesus Christ. It's this alien race. And we've got to defeat him. And, and Scientology is like the savior of the world and so forth. Listen to this. It's crazy stuff. And L. Ron Hubbard is going to come back as, well, guess what? The Antichrist. Check this out. And this would be something that, uh, that I imagine that, uh, you know, Tom Cruise being one of the leaders there would be very privy to. Uh, but, you know, who knows? Uh, and this is L. Ron Hubbard writing. By the time, uh, allegedly, right, uh, this could have been written after he was dead, just following through on his vision. Because when you keep in mind, L. Ron Hubbard was working with Jack Parsons, trying to bring forth a scarlet woman. She ends up showing up in the form of Cameron, at least they interpreted it that way. And then now Parsons is trying to bring forth a spirit child through her uh, to rule the world. And he writes a book called The Book of the Antichrist. Here's L. Ron Hubbard. And by the way, he kind of stabbed Parsons in the back and went and started his own group. L. Ron Hubbard says, by the time you read this, I will no longer be occupying the body and identity that you have known as Ron. Now I'm going to, it's four pages, right? Almost four pages. So I'm going to skip a little bit here and there. Otherwise, we'd be here for 20 minutes. I want to get this done in uh, four or five minutes because it's crazy stuff. He says, what follows is a story that has been withheld for reasons which will soon be obvious. I mean, he's letting the secret out, what they're really about in Scientology, right? Keep in mind, this is the group that Tom Cruise belongs to. He goes, until such a time as there were enough OTs, right, operative thetans, that something could be done about it. He says, some 80-odd million years ago, which is ridiculous. How does he know that, right? It's uh, stupid, right? Read the book of Genesis. There, uh, he says, some 80-odd million years ago, Earth time, he says the, uh, that plans were drawn by a group of outside-the-messed universe for the eventual takeover of a good portion of this universe. So there were these evil plans being drawn up to take, uh, take over you know, great portions of the universe. And this is going to be uh, done by those claiming to represent Christ, right? They're evil. He says, they conceived of an ongoing implant, something to implant in you, uh, some portions of which have been fairly, faithfully rendered in parts of the Bible. Hmm. This implant laid in by carefully controlled genetic mutation makes it effectively impossible for beings on the more heavily affected planets, such as Earth, to become free. 
It causes progressive genetic evolution that gives the subject population greater and greater susceptibility to the telepathic impingement and direction of the controllers. In other words, the Bible talks about, and you're going to see, it's called Christ's second coming. And this is really an evil race of alien entities, uh, which he calls the uh, macrobaic or the uh, evil confederacy of alien entities who are actually going to try to take over the planet. And they've used the Bible. So those who follow the Bible are being trained to accept this person, Christ, but really it's a deception. And we're the saviors, Scientology, that will fight against Christ. I mean, the aliens, right? Oh, you're saying that's not, uh, you know, one of the hadiths or something from Islam. No. Nope, <laughs> okay, just making sure. Sounds a lot like the hadiths, right? <laughs> no kidding, Chad. No doubt you're familiar. This is Check out what L. Ron Hubbard writes, or at least according to Scientology, to OT8 was L. Ron Hubbard. No doubt you're familiar with the Revelations section of the Bible. Wow where various events are predicted. Also mentioned is a brief period of time in which an arch enemy of Christ, right? An arch enemy of Christ, uh, referred to as the Antichrist, will reign and his opinions will have sway. All this makes for very fantastic, entertaining reading, but there is truth in it. This Antichrist represents the forces of Lucifer, literally the light bearer or light bringer. Wow. So he's saying, wow, there's this Antichrist period the book of Revelation talks about, represents Lucifer, the light bearer. Wait, by the way, he thinks that's good. No, that's Masonic. We're just yeah. getting it all in, yeah. aren't we? Yeah, we're getting the Masonry yeah. in here too, yeah. right? My mission could be said to fulfill the biblical promise represented by this brief Antichrist period. Folks, he's saying straight out, but the book of the Revelation has some truth in it, and it talks about this coming Antichrist period, and that's us. That's Scientology, you know? But he's saying, but really it's a good thing, as you'll see in a moment. And the bad thing is Christ coming back because that's really the aliens. Christ is the bad thing. Us as the Antichrist period be prophesied is a really a good thing. He goes on to say, during this period, there is a fleeting opportunity for the whole scenario, that is Christ's second coming, to be effectively derailed. What are they doing in Revelation chapter 17? Kings of the earth gather together with the Antichrist to fight against Christ at the second coming, try to derail it. Well, that just doesn't happen. That's being been getting brothers and sisters. That's been set up for years by the prince and the power of the air, the spirit, as Chad was noting, that works through the children of disobedience. The spirits that go forth to the kings of the earth to bring them to fight against Christ. And here we see in these cults, and I'm trying to show you guys, whether it's masonry, uh, whether it's uh, Scientology, a number of cults, they're being fed satanic teaching to ultimately, many of them, to fight against truth and God's righteousness in the end. And ultimately, he's teaching right here to fight against Christ at the second coming. So he says, during this period, there's a fleeting opportunity for the whole scenario that is Christ's second coming, to be effectively disrailed, derailed, which would make it impossible for the mass uh, uh, Maccabean landing. And the Maccabean is that evil confederacy landing, supposedly. And then in parentheses, second coming, okay? Really, he's talking uh, to take place. Then he goes on to say the second coming of Christ, he's talking about, the second coming is designed, among other things, to trigger a rapid series of destructive events. He says a little further down, and to bring about eventual enslavement of mankind. So he's saying what? These aliens are using the Bible to program people with engrams and uh, to basically, through evolution, to make happy slaves of all humans when Christ comes. But guess what? L. Ron Hubbard, right? Who's trying, who's practicing Crowley's magic, right? A Satanist, right? Uh, a guy that was having sex with kids. We proved that in our video, our videos, and, and just, he's, he's inverts it all, right? He's saying, That's, this is good stuff. We're trying to stop Christ. He says, and bring about, we're trying to stop Christ. He says, we'll bring about the eventual enslavement of mankind. 
As you know, and he mentions the Buddha, he never claimed to be anything more than a man. Having caught on to this operation, he postulated his own return as Maitreya. Mm-hmm. Sound familiar? Now we're talking about the, the New, new Age Agers, movement. Now yeah. I got the New Age movement, man. It's getting all pulled together. And he's saying it's a good thing, which is really the Antichrist, the real Antichrist kingdom. And he's admitting he's identifying with the Antichrist kingdom already, right? Having caught on to this operation, he postulated his own return as Maitreya, part of which prophecy will have been fulfilled upon the passing of L. Ron Hubbard. In other words, he's the reincarnation of Buddha, and then you're going to see he's going to come back again to be this Antichrist figure. Okay, For those of you whose Christian toes I may have stepped on, let me take the opportunity to disabuse you of some lovely myths. For instance, the historic Jesus, he writes, was not, mere, was not near, nearly the sainted figure that has, he's been made out to be. In addition to being a lover of young boys, that's what he's writing to his followers, calling Jesus a pedophile. Not a shred of evidence of that. In fact, that's blasphemy. A ton of evidence that Crowley had orgies of, with little kids drawn in his big, giant bedroom, okay? And he was a pedophile. And he writes about uh, that kind of stuff as well. He goes, in addition to him being a lover of young boys and men, he was given to an uncontrollable burst of temper and hatred that belied the general message of love, understanding, and other typical uh, Markov PR, public relations. So this is isn't this quite, quite interesting. So in just about four or less pages, there's mass propaganda here, conditioning his people to identify with the Antichrist in the book of Revelation and come against Christ. He goes, it's, it's a good joke that the Galactic Confederacy, these are supposedly the good guys, is associated with the serpent in the garden, the beast, and other emissaries of the Prince of Darkness. What is it? Why? Why is that a joke? You just said that you identify with the Antichrist mission, and that's Scientology's mission. You talked about your good friend, Alvester Crowley, who signed himself the Beast 666, and you gloried in it. He's a full-blown liar. And he goes on to write, I will soon leave this world only to return and complete my mission with another identity. Now, of course, Elrod Hubbard is not going to come back and complete any mission. The Bible says, point of man wants to die, but after this, the judgment. But what Satan is doing through him and through Scientology's is greasing the skids, apparently, to receive the Antichrist. He goes on to say, although I long to stretch my arms back in repose on some distant star in some distant galaxy. You can't do that when you're in hell, Mr. Hubbard. It appears that uh, it is, it, uh, it appears that is one dream that will have to wait. But my return depends on people like you doing these materials, meaning following Scientology, giving all your money to them and becoming slaves of Scientology, thoroughly and completely, so that there will be a genetically uncontaminated body for me to pick up and resume where I left off, a body free of religious mania, right, wrong, dichotomy, and synthetic karma. So he's getting away, away, get away from the concept of right and wrong, right? Mr. Do What Thou Wilt, the Antichrist will become, will be the man of lawlessness, the son of perdition, right? And the last page, I'll just read a couple little quotes. There are regions, even in isolated parts of the Milky Way, where poets are free to, uh, to poet, and magicians can paint reality with their magic wands and exteriorize without body kickback. But these areas, unfortunately, are fewer and fewer. I will return not as a religious leader, meaning as the leader of Scientology, but as a political one, right? He's hoping that he would be the coming Antichrist, just as Crowley hoped he would be, just as Parsons seems to have maybe hoped he would be, or at least bring him forth through a moon child, perhaps. He says, I will effectively postpone someone when he comes back, then halt a series of events designed to make happy slaves of us all. So there you have it, the secret that I have kept close to my chest all these 
years. Wow. I mean, that's a brainful, a mouthful. And when you go back, you look at his history, which Scientologists try to explain away with Jack Parsons. You see this stuff come out. It's like, no, he's his good friend, Alessia Crowley. Would, I mean, by the way, when Jack Parsons was trying to bring forth uh, this, this, this Scarlet, Scarlet Woman, woman yeah. or Scarlet Witch at Marvel, uh, when uh, he was trying to do that, uh, and Alan Hubbard was working with him, they were getting periodic uh, communications with from the Satanist Lester Crowley, who was in Europe at the time, who was communicating with them. And then Parsons kind of went off the rail and just became, he was, you know, of course, uh, do, you know, hearing voices, opened himself to the demonic world. And then Crowley kind of lost it too, and they both kind of lost it um, uh, around the same time. Wow, I mean... Guys, if you were thinking about walking into one of those, you know, when you go going in Santa Monica or you're somewhere in Hollywood or something, they try to bring you in. Unless you're with a brother or sister in Christ, you're ready to witness. You don't take their little test. You don't mess with that demonic realm. And it makes me think about something, Joe, because I remember reading an evangelist talk about how John Travolta, who's a Scientologist, was sharing, because he tried to go share the gospel with Rob Van Winkle, or better known as Vanilla Ice. And he said he went to go share the gospel with him, and he said, basically asked him a spiritual question. And he said, you know, I've been talking a lot with John Travolta about the Church of Scientology. And one thing that stuck out to me is what the evangelist said, and he said, you know what John Travolta was doing? He was witnessing to him. And think about all the stuff, combining all this together, recognizing the spirit of the Antichrist behind it. And yet, that man was witnessing to another man to get involved with this cult. And I don't know about you. I'm not going to let John Travolta outwitness me. Amen. Okay. And when you're seeing all this and you're recognizing without a doubt what this is all coming from, Joe, I, I think it's a great opportunity right now to express to them how they can make sure they're not on L Ron Hubbard's team. They're not on John Travolta and Tom Cruise's team, but they get on the right team. And that's with team Jesus. Absolutely, because you look at you know look how Crowley died, you know he was confused, you know he was befuddled, and uh, had been a heroin act and everything else. And you look at Elron Hubbard, you look at Parsons. I mean, he was 37 years old, and he blows up in a rocket experiment in his home. Not a rocket experiment, a explosion experiment, trying to make explosives for uh, a Hollywood a company that would sell them to Hollywood for films, right? Uh, because he was into rock, obviously rockets, and boom, he dies. And by the way, when you look at his uh, his life, he was, a, he was a really strange guy. I mean, he would spend hours, you know, playing games in his bathwater, you know, as a grown man who was into all this stuff with like ships and stuff. Really strange guy. I'm not saying you can't do that. If you do that, you spend hours there. There's nothing personal. I'm kind of putting that with everything else too, though. But uh, uh, it's just crazy. It's like, but he was, you know, he was tormented by demonic entities and great bouts of depression. Aleister Crowley, you look at him, he was a very depressed and these guys didn't have the joy of the Lord. They didn't know Christ, you know. And the thing is, is there's no true freedom in this. These, these are lies. And, and God's word is true. By the way, everything we're talking about is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Because God's word tells us that the last days, Satan would come, Antichrist would come with counterfeit signs and wonders. That Satan's the father of lies. That he would try to spin everything to make the Antichrist kingdom look good. And that's what's happening. Praise God, we have the light of God's word, which is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. It exposes the works of darkness. We have the words of Christ. We have history written in advance through biblical prophecy and showing that God is sovereign over the nations. Israel ceasing to be a nation for uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, almost 2,000 years. And then guess what happens? 
They said, God, prophets said that they would reject their Messiah when he came. They rejected Jesus. And he said the Jews would be scattered through the four points of the earth for the four, uh, you know, every part of the planet. It was, Jews are everywhere. But they'd be brought back to become a nation again in the end days. And we, there's so many other things that just line up. When Christ would be born, when he'd be crucified, that he would be crucified, his hands and feet pierced. All, we have all these biblical prophecies ahead of time. Yet guess what? Jack Parsons talked about in seven years, you know, he, you know, he would basically find the fulfillment of all that he was writing about. It came and went. He was a false prophet. L. Ron Hubbard's a false prophet. He's not coming back. He's lying about that, obviously. Uh, all these guys are false prophets. Jesus Christ is the son of God, man. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He said that Satan is a murderer from the beginning and he's the father of lies. Uh, Jesus said you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. We want to encourage you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that it doesn't matter if you say, well, you know what, I'm not on team Scientology, I'm not on team Jesus, I'm on team self, or I'm doing my own thing. Or Guess what? Jesus doesn't leave you any option other than being for him or against him. He said in Matthew 12, 30, he that's not with me is against me. He that doesn't gather with me scatters abroad. And Chad, we've got like three minutes left. I want you to close and talk about how after you watched they sold their souls for rock and roll and heard me quote that very verse how God changed your heart and encouraged other people to turn to Jesus now. Let this be the day of their salvation. And by the way, if you come to Christ now or you've rededicated your life after what Chad shares with you, go ahead and leave a post just so we can rejoice with you and pray for you that you found Jesus. Amen. And those were the words. You know, the Bible is very clear that we're saved by grace through faith. It's a gift of God and not by works, lest any man should boast. And the Bible also tells us that, guess what? Faith comes from hearing the very words of of Christ. And for me, as Joe mentioned, it was Matthew 12, 30. He who is not with me is against me. To not make a choice is to make a choice. And I know that whether we're talking about Scientology or Hollywood or music or whatever it may be, the entire culture as a whole, the fact is, is the reason why we can point to it and say it's Antichrist is because we know the only thing that is true is Jesus Christ himself. The gospel that Jesus Christ, that we see, the four gospels that were written about Jesus Christ, that detail exactly the things that Jesus did and said, are told to us. They, In fact, the author of John actually tells us, I am writing this so you may believe and have life in his name. Because when it comes to salvation, it is not found in a thing, a philosophy, an idea, or an epiphany. It's found in the person of Jesus Christ. And I know that I was in a situation, and maybe you're in right now, where you didn't realize how duped you were. You didn't realize that you were following the father of lies, and that is Satan. And all of these connective tissue, all of this synergy that we're talking about is not something that happens because molecules are rolling back and forth. Because I was an atheist and thought that was true. But I came to realize through they sold their souls to rock and roll that all these artists from all these different eras, from all these different regions, all of them basically pushing the same thing over and over again only to realize that because of that, we can see quite clearly that they're coming against the same Jesus. And there's only one Jesus Christ. Amen. There's only one God. There is one true God. And the rest of them are false. All the gods of the nations are demons. And the truth is that the words in Matthew 12, 30, he was not with me is against me, come to, come to truth as well uh, when Jesus was in Gethsemane, when he cried out, Father, if there was any other way, let this cup, the wrath of God that was about to be poured on on Jesus Christ, let this cup pass for me. And because he didn't, he said, not my will, but your will be done. 
Because he didn't, we can have salvation now. Because the fact is that you've sinned against God, each and every one of us. We've all committed crimes against God. God made laws and we broke them. If you've ever lied, if you've ever stolen, no matter how big, no matter how small, if you ever looked at a woman with lust, if you've ever had anything in your life that is more important to you than knowing God, then you've sinned. You've committed a crime against God. And when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out a number of things. But one of the ones that always sticks in my head is the tetelestai that he cried out. Mm-hmm. Tetelestai, paid in full. That's because you have debt from the sin that you've committed, and Jesus Christ has paid it in full. If you put your trust in him, when God looks on you at Judgment Day, he's not going to balance out your good deeds versus your bad deeds. He's going to say, are they bought and paid for or not? And if they've been bought and paid for by Jesus Christ, he will look at you, see his son Jesus, and guess what? You'll get to enter into the joy of the Lord. And if not, you'll have to pay for those crimes. And the only thing you're going to get is what you deserve. And the fact is, the greatest thing about the freedom that we have in Christ now is that Jesus Christ paid it all. And I don't get what I would deserve because Jesus Christ took it upon himself. And you, all you need to do right now is turn to him and put your trust in him and know that he died for you and he rose again. It was all public. It wasn't this private message, this private OT8, this private thing. It was a public death and a public resurrection so you can live out your life now publicly for Jesus Christ. I encourage you to turn to him right now. Amen.